Well, good morning. It's great to see you guys today. I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Peter. And uh, as Beth mentioned earlier today, we are spending some time letting the Lord speak to us through uh, that particular book of the Scripture in a series called Chosen. And when we discover that God's chosen us, it's not only a humbling and encouraging thought, it's also a challenging thought. He's chosen us and given us some responsibilities. One of the things I do want to mention to you before I get into our, our message today, another opportunity that just opened up this week is the Hendersonville Samaritan Center does an annual food drive, and you'll be able to participate in that with your local, uh, if those of you who are residents of Hendersonville, with your local postmen who can pick up food. But they really need people to help process um, all the food that will be donated. And uh, I told them that here at the Church of Indian Lake, we would provide some volunteers. Uh, you can read the details of that in the bulletin, but Lori Singer uh, is heading that up, though she has just been kind of drafted into that. That was our wonderful bass player up here today. So sign-ups are available at the Communication Center. So uh, try to remember at the end of service to slide by the Communication Center and sign up for those three important outreach ministries. And I do hope those of you who signed up for a 242 group will go tonight as we really launch that ministry. The Goodlettsville group had a great meeting on Friday, and tonight we have three different groups meeting. Uh, and I know the investment of your time in relationships will be uh, worth your investment because God really changes our life through community. Um, my message today, the title of my message, is God's plan for adversity. And truly... The true title of this message is God's plan for suffering, but I figured if I put that on the email, none of y'all would show up this week. First uh, Peter talks a lot about suffering, and I did different word studies on, on what suffering means, and after doing the word studies and looking at the original language, suffering means exactly what you think it does. There's no hidden meaning. It's a painful experience that we don't like, um, and suffering is something that the scripture talks a lot about, and it's important that we see what the scripture says about suffering, for when we encounter suffering, if we are not taught properly, and as a shepherd up here, if I'm a good shepherd, I have to share with you what the scripture says about suffering, because when you do encounter adversity, and when you do encounter difficult times, if you think that you're out of God's will just because you're going through a difficult time, or just because you're going through a measure of temporary suffering, if you think you're out of God's will, you will be disillusioned and disappointed, and many people have walked away from their faith in God simply because they haven't been taught properly about suffering, and God's role for suffering, and and I, I am going to let the Scripture speak to us today. And I believe that you are going to be encouraged that if you are going through a difficult time, if you are going through adversity, if you are going through uh, a temporary suffering, that you will be encouraged today that you're going to come out on the other side. And for the rest of us, we will be ready and aware of the enemy's schemes so when trouble does come, we will be overcomers and not shrink back from the challenges that we face. Uh, you know, a lot of times we go through suffering and it doesn't have anything to do with God or the devil. Well, I suppose it has to do with the devil, but it, it's more about us than anything else in our life. Because there's a type of suffering, and I'm not going to talk about this today, but when we sin, 
we suffer the consequences. And we go through a measure of suffering because of sin in our lives. We go through a measure of suffering because of disobedience. God said, this is my way. This is what I've chosen for you. I've laid out this path. But we, like sheep, we go our own way. And we go astray from God's plan. And then the consequences of that bring suffering to our life. And we're wanting to blame the devil and blame the enemy and say, I'm just so called. The enemy's attacking me because I've got this great call in my life. When the truth is, we were just disobedient in the first place and now we're suffering the consequences of that. So there's, there's sin, there's disobedience. And then the biggest one, I believe for most Christians, is a lack of wisdom. When we don't accumulate wisdom and pray for wisdom and uh, develop maturity and understanding in our life, we repetitively make the same mistakes. And when you make the same mistakes over and over again, that's a lack of wisdom. See, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to mess up. But the ability to see our mistakes and to make changes and to not repeat our mistakes, that's wisdom from above. You know, wisdom, uh, and we'll talk more in the future about wisdom, wisdom is when you accumulate this data from your experiences and from other people's experiences, and based off that, you're able to make judgments about your future and about what you're going to do. And a lack of wisdom, simply not using our head and thinking through the ways of God and allowing Him to deposit wisdom in us, causes suffering in our lives. So, before we, just, before we talk about suffering and God's role for that, let's just get that out of the way. That the truth is, a lot of our suffering is because of sin, disobedience, and a lack of wisdom. And here's the great thing about God. He redeems us from that, too. Because if not, I would be very messed up. I wouldn't be standing before you today. So your sin and your disobedience and your suffering isn't too big for God. He can renew you, restore you, and He can bring you back to a place uh, of newness and, and a fresh thing in your life. Uh, but for 2 Timothy 3.12 this says it this way, and, and this is the part that I think you all need to be aware of. It says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wherever we get the idea that you give your life to Jesus and there's never an uncomfortable situation you face again, that's just not in the Bible. If you really want to be sold out to Jesus Christ, you will encounter some measure of persecution, and, and which is a form of suffering. And that, that's just a, a fact. You see, Satan has areas of dominion and areas of temporary rulership in this world. And because of that, we all are suffering the consequences of living for Jesus in a world that's rejected him. And it's just true. We live counterculture. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are chosen, right? A chosen people. A royal priesthood. A people belonging to God. Rejected by men. Remember what we read earlier? We're rejected by men, but chosen by God. And that's a great thing to be. But with that will come a measure of suffering and a measure of persecution. We live in a world... Um, that sin reigns in this world uh, through the sin of Adam and Eve. Sin has been released in this world, so we have genetic diseases we inherit. We have uh, uh, consequences of, of bad leadership. When our leaders rule wrongly and our, our leaders don't rule in godly wisdom, we suffer for it. We do. And that's a consequence of sin being in the world. So you might be 
uh, living holy. You might be obedient. You might have wisdom. And there's still going to be a measure of suffering just because sin has its rule and reign in the world. Bad leadership all the time. Bad leadership decisions affects people. We have consequences because of the technology we have. I mean, the fact that we want to drive uh, uh, metal vehicles at 80 miles an hour means that in a simple world, there's bad consequences to that. And there's suffering that happens. You know, there is things about our uh, environment. I'm not talking about environmentalism, but I'm talking about things that we know that, that uh, the foods we eat and the, the air we breathe and, and the different types of uh, jobs that we choose that have certain hazards to them that causes us to have suffering simply because we are in a world where Satan has a certain rulership and domain in it. So all of these things don't always have to do with, uh, with our, sometimes they're our choices and sometimes uh, they're the fact that we're in a sinful world. But I want to share with you some encouraging words today. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. And, and we, we pick up in verse 6 and, and it says this, In this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trial. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. I want to, and for those of you who like to take notes, I'll show my hand a little bit today. I'm going to give you five points. That way you can like pace out. I usually give three, so you can pace out on your notes. And also for those of you who like to keep tabs on how long I preach, you can kind of know. He's going to have to really hustle through point four and five to get to the end. So um, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. But here's the first thing, observation that I see right here in 1 Peter 1, 6. And this is the good news. Suffering is temporary. That's the good news. Suffering is temporary. The suffering that we endure, living in a world of sin, living in a place where Satan has dominion over certain areas, uh, living in an atmosphere where we receive the negative consequences of sinful man, that suffering will come to an end. First Peter, and, and we're going to look at the Scripture later, chapter 5, verse 10. Turn to chapter 5, verse 10. And I love this phrase. It says this, And the God of all grace, First Peter talks a lot about suffering. And we're going to look at all the scriptures today. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. See, verse 1, that's the second time it said that. In chapter 1, verse 6, and now in chapter 5, verse 10, a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. See, those who don't know Christ, those who don't believe in His power, there is a hopelessness that the suffering that they're under will always be. And see, we have hope, first of all, in this life. Because as we sang earlier, nothing's impossible for God. We serve a God who performs miracles. We serve a God who can show His hand in our lives, who can heal our diseases, a God who can deliver us from bondage, can deliver us from demonic oppression, who can bring miracles, who can bring financial breakthroughs. God is able to do that. But if you don't believe in God and you cut His power off in your life 
and you lean on your own understanding, what a hopeless situation that is. How, how hopeless that must feel. But we know that when we go through periods of suffering, it's just for a little while. Don't you love that phrase? I mean, maybe, maybe some of you who are going through a tough time, the phrase, a little while, just needs to get in your heart that I might be going through a hard time now, but I'm not staying here. It's not going to be forever. It's not the permanent uh, word spoken over me. God has spoken a word of deliverance, and I'm passing through this trial. I am going through this test. This is just for a little while. You see, when you get your eyes off eternity, and you begin to look at your life just in this day and in this time phrase, it feels like your suffering will never end. I'm doomed to always be depressed. I'm always going to be poor. I'm always going to be confused. I'm never going to find a lifelong companion. I, I'm, just, I'm just messed up. I've, I, I, I've lost hope. I've lost hope. No, it's just for a little while. God can bring a miracle in your life. And one word from God can change your situation just like that. But you have to have faith to believe that God is who He said He is. And God will do what He said He will perform. And this suffering is just a little while. And then I think about eternity. I think about what God has planned for us. And don't we love what the revelation, it tells us what's going to happen in Revelation chapter 21. It says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now... The dwelling of God is with men. And He will live with them. This is what's going to happen. They will be His people. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. Is that not beautiful? And then look at the consequences when God is with us and when He's living with us. And and go on. He, talking about God, will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Can I tell you that the rules of this world won't be forever? The consequences of sin won't last forever. Diseases won't last forever. Injustices won't last forever. It's just for a little while because there's going to come a time when God will live with His people and will rule and reign that Satan, His grip on us, and his grip on, 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 on the new heaven and new earth, he will have no authority. He will be locked away and have no authority. And the things we suffer with today, we will not have to live with when we're with God. Does that not give you reason to want to uh, be in relationship with God? Why would you want to miss out on that? Why would you want to miss out on that? With this such a temporary state we're in. And I just pray, God, help me. Help me to have my heart in heaven. Help me to have my heart, because I'm just passing. This is, this is a short period of time we have together. I mean, I feel time just, just moving by so fast. None of us are promised a full lifespan. None of us are promised. We are promised an eternal life with God, a place where there is no suffering, a new order. And that's why I, I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Jesus, we, we think if Jesus lived here, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. If God would come in the form of Jesus and, and live a, a short period of time on this earth, you would think that Jesus would never suffer, right? If, if He should enjoy all the comforts of this life, He should never be uncomfortable. He should never encounter anything difficult. 
1 Peter 2, starting in verse 21, it says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you. And, and again, let me remind you, there's no uh, different slant on that word. Christ went through some really difficult things. Tough things for us. Leaving you as an example that you should follow in His steps. Now let's just think about this for example. Christ was willing to suffer for us and He left it as an example for us that when we have to suffer for His name, we should follow in His footsteps. Verse 22, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in His mouth. And when they hurled insults at Him, He did not retaliate. And when He suffered, there's that word again, He made no threats. Instead, He entrusted Himself to Him who judges justly. Christ was an example to us. And here's where Christ is truly the example. Not just the fact that He suffered, but look again at verse 22. He committed no sin. And no deceit was found in His mouth. Christ went through difficult situations, and can I just put this very bluntly and plainly? He kept his mouth shut. He didn't complain. He didn't grumble. He didn't go around uh, complaining to everybody about how tough his situation was. He just endured the suffering. No deceit was found in his mouth. Can I tell you and write it down? Here's a second observation. Suffering gives us no excuse to sin. Suffering gives us no excuse to sin. We live in a people... You know, you know. remember in Isaiah chapter 6, when God spoke to him, he said, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and God said, hey, listen, Isaiah... He didn't say, hey, listen, but he said, Isaiah, uh, you're a man of unclean lips, and you live with among a people of unclean lips. I wonder if God today wouldn't say to us and say to me, Aaron, you're a man of excuses and you live among a people of excuses. Because I want to tell you that as a people, our excuses are pitiful before God. Can I tell you this? That if we put as much energy trying to avoid our sin as we do trying to excuse our sin, we'd probably be a lot more holy. We're always trying to figure out a way to justify our sin. We're always trying to come up with a new angle, the new slant, the new read. I wasn't feeling good today. Sorry sorry I snapped snapped at you. It's just been a rough week. So then we start naming diseases. I'm bipolar. I've got a thyroid problem. And all those are are legitimate. I didn't mean to be that funny on that. I mean... And if you have those, believe me, I know those are legitimate, but they're not a legitimacy for you to sin. They're not an excuse for you to be a jerk. They're not an excuse for you to, uh, you know, to do things that God doesn't want you to do because you just have an excuse. Can I tell you about 50% of the counseling I do? Um, you know, I enjoy uh, being you know, hearing people's problems, but most of the things I do, I'm like, so? You know, the reason I'm doing this, the reason I'm struggling with this is because of this reason. I'm like, get in line. 
Join the crowd. Everybody has difficult circumstances. No one's life's perfect. Everybody gets tired. Everybody gets frustrated. Everyone gets discouraged. Everyone has time periods where they go through adversity. Big deal. It's not an excuse to sin. It's not an excuse to compromise. It's not an excuse to be something less than God wants you to be. Because Jesus Himself, He he did it as an example to us. And He did it without sinning. So let's lay down our excuses. And, and let's lay down our justifications. And let's pick up obedience. Let, let's, let's put some energy into accomplishment instead of our energy into our excuses. You know what? If you want to justify your behavior, and why don't you take it to God instead of other people? Say, God, I am tired. I am worn out. I feel overlooked. I feel that injustice has come to me. I feel like people aren't getting behind me. And instead of complaining about it and and making excuses for how you act, say, God, this is how I feel. Will you give me strength? Will you change my perspective? Will you change me from the inside, Lord? Would you help me, God, to realize that you are at work even though I'm going through this temporary time of suffering. You see, the reason we should have a correct attitude towards suffering, the reason that we should realize that suffering, temporary suffering isn't always a bad thing for us, is number three, is Christ's suffering paid for our forgiveness and healing. Number three, Christ's suffering paid for our forgiveness and our healing. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, back to chapter 2. Picking back up in 24, it says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Now look again at the beginning of verse 24. He Himself bore our sins upon the tree. It's talking about the cross. That is suffering right there. And it's not just a physical suffering, I mean, which, which was excruciating pain. We know that. The, the nails in the hand or the wrist area and the, the spear in the side and the crown of thorns on his head. But he was separated from God because every wrong action we did, every one of the Ten Commandments we broke, every wrong thing we did, he took upon himself. The perfect spotless lamb that we sang about earlier took all of our sins upon him. The suffering that that caused for Jesus, for him to say, Father, if it's your will, let this pass from me. I don't want to go through this, he even said, but not my will, but your will be done. So again, picking up in 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And by his wounds... You've been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have returned to the shepherd and the overseers of your soul. Verse 24, by his wounds you have been healed. You know, sometimes when we ask God for a healing, we take for granted that he paid for that healing. He suffered for that healing. The suffering that we go through, through our physical body when we are ill and we are sick, Christ took that suffering upon Him. And when He took the 39 uh, whips upon His back, He did that for our healing. Isaiah 53.5 reminds us of this. He, him, 
he himself, let's see if we have that. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Now, I just want to say this, is that if Christ wasn't willing to suffer, we wouldn't be saved right now. We'd be going to hell if Christ hadn't suffered for us. That he paid for our suffering. And he did that for us. Here's the good news. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We, we, we referenced this a little bit earlier. It says this, chapter 5, starting in verse 8. It says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, we know this. Is there any doubt that the world is suffering when there's an enemy that's prowling around looking for someone to devour? You know, the enemy is looking to devour your children. He's looking to devour you. He's looking for an opportunity. Thank God for the blood of Jesus and His protection over us. The enemy has no hold on us. Verse 9. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Sufferings. Verse 10. And now here is some exciting news. And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, we talked about this a few minutes ago, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Is that not an incredible line? Will Himself restore you, make you strong, Firm and steadfast. Write down number four. The Lord's restoration from suffering makes us stronger. Can I tell you that the title of my message, God's plan for adversity, God's plan for suffering. Here's the point of the message. We're building a case here. But here's the point. God does have a plan for suffering. And He does have a plan for adversity. And His plan is to restore you. His plan is to make you stronger. His plan is clear right there in verse 10. He Himself will restore and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. See, the problem is we shrink in the eyes of suffering. We see suffering, we see adversity, and we we shrink up and say, Oh my, I don't want to get my hair wet. I don't want to suffer. I I don't want to... I don't want to go through this difficult situation. I want everything just to be perfect in my life. And we think that, oh, God, I just got such a call on my life. The enemy's attacking me. What am I going to do? I'm just going to falter. I'm just going to fall. My call's so strong, I can never hold up against the enemy. Can I tell you that the truth is that God has designed the suffering you go, for, go through to be a temporary time, to be a little while, to be a small period of time, and He wants to come and make you stronger. He wants to Himself restore you. So the good news, the good news today is He does have a plan for your suffering. He does have a plan for your adversity. And it's to take you through the fire. To walk you through the flood. To go through the valley of the shadow of death. 
You don't stay in the valley. You go through the valley. You see, we always say we want a testimony. You know, you'd never get a testimony without a test. That is what a testimony is. It's when you've been through a test and you've passed the test and you've come out stronger and you've seen God's hand in your life and you've seen Him restore you and do what He wants to do in, this, in your life. Can I, can I tell you that God wants to show His hand strong in our lives. He wants to come and He wants to bring us through the trouble and bring us through the adversity and come out on the end and, and we know that He has seen us through He has shown Himself. He has revealed Himself. It's not just self-will and it's not just discipline and it's not just mental toughness that gets us through the tough times. It's His call and it's His purpose and it's what He wanted to do in our life. That's why here's the last thing I want to share with you. The right attitude towards suffering will lead us to victory over sin. If we're not willing to face suffering, if we don't see God's hand in suffering, if we don't say, God, I believe you have a plan for the suffering that I'm going through, then we'll shrink back. If we don't believe that God's going to see us through, that whatever situation we're in, it's not forever. It's not forever. It's a test that God's taking us through. And if we don't realize that, then we'll never see the victory that we're supposed to. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. This is the last scripture from 1 Peter that I want to share with you today. 1 Peter chapter 4 says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered in His body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, because He who has suffered in His body is done with sin. Read that again, chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, since Christ uh, Christ suffered in His body, Arm yourself with the same attitude because he who suffered in his body is done away with sin. You know, if you can face the suffering that the enemy wants to bring to your life, if you can face the suffering of living in a world where Christ has not totally uh, taken his rightful place of dominion, but sin reigns, and if you can pass through that, and if you can uh, live for God through that, then you will be an overcomer of sin. But it's all in your attitude. If you never expect a hard time, and when hard times come, if you shrink back, and if you start to play that, that old, uh, those questions in your mind, oh God, why don't you love me? Why do you love that other person more? Why are they blessed and I'm not? Why am I going through this hard time? I don't deserve this. I don't need this, God. And complaining, complaining, complaining. Complaining to God, complaining to people. And, and all of that in your life, you, if you do that, you'll miss the blessing God has for you. The whole time God said, I am taking you through. I am passing you through. I have a plan for the suffering you're going through. You see, Jesus had a plan. The reason Jesus endured the cross was for you and me. It says, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. Because He knew there was an end. He knew there was something more. He knew that there was a, a plan uh, that God had, 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 had put before Him to, to bring salvation to you and me. Can I tell you, there's a plan for you. The hard time you're going through, the temporary hard time you're going through, it's part of God's plan. Don't we love Romans 8:28? Romans 8:28. Man, we gotta we gotta claim this and, and speak this, and it fits in about every sermon, but we love it. It says this. And we know, as God's people, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him 
and has been called according to His purpose. And all things, God's working. He's working in our good times. He's working through our bad times. He's working through our hard times and difficult times. He's working through His blessings. He's at work. He's at work in you. If you love Him and are called to Him, He is not done working in you, no matter what situation you go through. I want you to close your eyes at this time. And I want um, uh, I, I want to talk to a certain group of people right now. Some of you have never given your life to Christ because of these unanswered questions. You have unanswered questions in your life. And you've uh, said, you know, how could I serve a God who's made my life such a mess? How can I serve a God that's, that, that's made my life such a mess? How can I serve a God that has uh, so many just I have so many questions about? Can I tell you that today, if you realize that God does have a plan, He does have a plan for you, and your plan is to give, His plan for you is to give your life to Him. Give your life today. And that's what He wants to do. It's time for me to give my life to Christ. This is your time. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, I have not given my life to Christ, but this is the day that I want to do that. Is there anyone in this room? I'm looking all over this room. I want to make sure that everyone in here knows Christ as his personal Savior. Would everyone in the room stand with me at this time? I'm going to ask for our prayer team to come down at this time. Some of you today, you're enduring a period of suffering. You have a time of, of adversity. And you need some encouragement today. You need someone to agree with you. you. Your heart has felt like it shrank back. And today, through the Scripture that we shared out of First Peter and through the words that I said, you realize, hey, God does have a plan. God is at work. But you need someone to just encourage you. And we want to pray with you today. We want to put our faith in agreement that we believe God is who He said He is. We believe God's going to accomplish what He promised in our life. Others of you that you're going through uh, suffering in your physical body and you're ill and and, uh, you uh, need God to touch you physically. And one of the things that are available, we can pray the prayer of faith with you. If you would like, we, we can anoint you with oil and believe for God to heal you and to end that suffering because Jesus suffered for you. You see, he paid the price for you. He paid the he paid the price of suffering for you. He's here, he's here to